Hi friends, hope you're doing well, hope you're feeling amazing, feeling healthy, or at least you're on your way there. Today we are talking about emotional eating and the science behind it. And I'm fired up about this because the other week I was with my TikTok manager and we brought up this subject and I told her, bingo, this is important, this is our next podcast topic. And so she actually wrote it down and sent it to me. And it's a topic that I can go on and on about because it actually enthralls me. Like this really gets me going because if we understood emotional eating, I promise you, you would do less of it. A lot of us are on a weight loss journey or an insulin resistance journey. Emotional eating might be holding you back. And this podcast is for you. This is for you and it's hopefully gonna get you on the right path. Before we begin, I wanna tell you about the new actual School of Doza. We have a podcast, now we have a school. The School of Doza is online. Tuition starts at just $1. $1 gets you a class with me live every week. Thursdays are the live classes. There's a Q&A that follows. Every Wednesday, office hours, an opportunity to ask me anything. We can even go over your labs. And there's also study groups in there, places and opportunities to connect with other people just like you who are going through the same issues. So sign up for the School of Doza schoolofdoza.com forward slash sign up. All right, friends, let's get into this week's topic. Class is in session. Emotional eating, emotional eating, I was just talking about it before we jumped on here. The connection we have to food is deep. I don't have to explain that to you, but I will. Think about the holidays. The holidays are a time for us to gather together with the people that we love and care for the most. In my culture growing up, sitting around the Thanksgiving table, the Christmas table, were late nights, long conversations, lots of fun board games, and obviously jokes. But the times that I shared with my family was even better because of the food that was sitting there in front of us. It was homemade turkey, it was homemade stuffing, homemade pecan pie, uh, we had tamales, you know, because I'm Hispanic. And all those things mean something. Now, whenever we emotional eat, we eat something that makes us feel good. We also will tend to eat something that makes us feel bad. Sometimes we do this intentionally. Food is an important thing in, in our life, let's be honest. But we have this emotional connection to food that goes way beyond the idea that we just need food in order to survive. I have found in nutrition that our bodies do better the less we eat. It's fascinating because when I started off in practice years ago, I thought that food is medicine. But if I see people treating food as something of harm to their body, you have to ask themselves and you have to ask yourself as a practitioner, why would someone emotionally eat? Well, the first thing that you need to know about emotional eating is that we eat when we are stressed. I want you to just realize that. And I know this might be something you're like, well, of course, that's nothing new. Let's think about your choices of your food whenever you are stressed. The times when you're stressed, that's the problem. We don't know when we're actually stressed. We talked about migraines in a recent episode, and I talked about guys that have migraines. Most guys don't talk about their headaches and their migraines. Women usually do, okay? A guy is less likely to talk about when they're stressed, all right? And if a guy is emotionally eating, he's going to do it in his way. He's gonna get the barbecue, 
He's going to get the burgers. He'll even get the beers, right? Emotional eating for guys is different than women. But at the same time, we can both eat junk food, right? We can both eat comfort food. Emotional eating happens to us when we're most stressed. But the problem is, is that the man and the woman still don't recognize when they're at their most stressed. Because I could make the case that they're stressed at work all the time. Yeah, I've been working too hard and I've been under a lot of work stress. You know, I've been working 12 hour days, you know, 14 hour days. I'm working every day, right? Okay, fair enough. You got to eat there, you know, sometime, right? Well, here's what happens. Let's say that you're working during the day and you work so much and you are under so stress. And you have so many deadlines that you look up at the clock and it's 2 p.m. And you started your day around 8 or 9 a.m. And you're like, oh my gosh, I missed lunch. At that moment, you realized that you were so stressed out that you forgot to eat. Emotional eating doesn't mean that you're actually eating. Emotional eating means you were so stressed out that you didn't actually eat. Because if you think about this, you say, well, how does that work? If you're too stressed out, you don't really have an appetite. If you're stressed, you're running off of cortisol and adrenaline, probably dopamine, all right? All those things are what's fueling your energy and fueling your brain, giving you focus and cognition. Because think about it, during your workday, you use stress to your advantage. You actually slow your body down when you go to lunch, right? That's why you're like, oh, I either got to go to lunch because I'm starving and I'm hangry and I can't think without food, or I got to get out of here and go take a break. Some people don't even go eat lunch. They just go walk around the park, right? If you work at a hospital, you have 30 minutes for lunch. You're not going to drive somewhere to go get food. You're either going to go to the cafeteria. But a lot of times I see the nurses and the doctors, seeming the staff just walk around outside for 20 minutes in the sunlight, right? Because they're indoors all day. They need to get out and just, you know, relieve some stress. But I tend to find that people who are stressed all the time, they really don't have an appetite. And I think about emotional eating, everyone says, well, when I'm stressed, I eat. I don't think you do all the time. I think you're less likely to eat, but when you stop and you slow down, you become bored, right? And if you're bored, right, you might eat. But let's be honest, you're never bored with the phone, with uh, a TikTok, with a YouTube, with a podcast, the opportunity to learn at your fingertips. We're never bored, right? But you ever catch yourself just eating while you're bored or while you're just dozing off and doing something, right? Just ask yourself at that moment, are you actually hungry? Because I have some people who snack all the time at their desk during work. Like let's say that you skipped lunch, okay? But yet you've been snacking all day, all right? Or yet you have some snacks there at the desk so you don't have to get up from your desk and go eat lunch, all right? I had one person tell me one time, it's not that they eat emotional eating at their desk it's just that they're um i guess they're a sweet mate or whatever right they're you know the person next to them in their cubicle they have unhealthy snacks and so when they go over there to talk to their you know co-worker and they're talking about a project they see their snacks right there and they're like oh i want one right and they eat that and they're not even hungry i'm telling you right now unless they're dying over full of low blood sugar and they're hangry they're not hungry the emotional eating that we that comes with us being stressed, I'll tell you this, this, you don't have an appetite. This is how it works. So when you're stressed out, your brain activates this pathway that's connected to your adrenal glands. All right, you've heard of adrenaline, right? You have adrenal glands. 
Your adrenal glands make adrenaline in response to you being stressed, okay? But it doesn't make adrenaline just any time. It makes it any time you're stressed, all right? So if you wake up in the morning, you're stressed. You go to work, more adrenaline, right? You're driving a rush hour, more adrenaline, right? You Basically, if you're really stressed all the time, you're probably not making adrenaline when you're sleeping, but unless you are, and we'll talk about insomnia later, but imagine your adrenal glands are just firing, producing cortisol, adrenaline, dopamine. They're making things in response to stress. Your adrenals make a lot of cortisol, okay, whenever you're stressed. That's another stress hormone you've heard about. When we're stressed out, our bodies make cortisol and adrenaline that naturally increases our blood sugar, okay? Your blood sugar will increase when you wake up in the morning, regardless of whether you eat or not. Your blood sugar will increase at lunchtime due to cortisol and adrenaline production, regardless of whether you ate or not. If your blood sugar goes too high because you have too much high cortisol and adrenaline production, that doesn't hurt everyone. That only harms people who originally have problems with their blood sugar, i.e. a diabetic, a pre-diabetic. One in three people in this world are pre-diabetic, which means one in three people in this world have a problem with their blood sugar. And I'm telling you, emotional eating is directly connected to your adrenal glands and your blood sugar. When you are stressed out, your adrenal glands spike the production of cortisol and adrenaline that increases your blood sugar without you eating. If you decide to eat because you are stressed out, the only thing you're going to do is increase your blood sugar more. What's that going to do to your body? That's going to increase your metabolism in a negative way. That leads to diabetes. That leads to insulin resistance. Think about this. If you're trying to lose weight and you have a problem eating snacks, ask yourself, am I really hungry right now when I'm eating these snacks or am I just stressed out? And the way you know the answer to that is you ask yourself, is the hunger for these snacks coming from my stomach or coming from my head? Because if it's coming from your head, you're reaching for salty or sugary foods. I'm gonna be honest with you, I just know it. But if the hunger is coming from your stomach, you're not reaching for salt or sugar. In fact, some people who have hunger pains, they fast and they skip lunch because they're like, yeah, I don't need to eat. It's going to slow me down. I can keep going. I have enough energy. I'm focused. I'm good. Imagine being there, right? That's where I want you to be. If you're trying to lose weight, fasting, that's the place you want to be at. You're insulin resistant, fasting gets you there. Imagine it goes back to the emotional eating. Use emotion to your advantage. If you're stressed out and pissed, don't go eat it off. Go work it off. Go work out. Go, go to work. Go do some work. Go run. Go hit the punching bag. Go on a bike ride. Go draw. Right? Go play guitar. Sometimes I sing. If I'm emotional, I'll put on a playlist. It's called Boys Don't Cry. And I cry. I will cry instead of eating my feelings. Why? Because clinically, I know I don't have an appetite, so there's no point of eating chocolate if I'm not hungry, because where is it going to go, right? And then at the same time, I have a bunch of energy because I have this cortisol and adrenaline going through me because I'm stressed. There's no way I have an appetite. I got to go burn off some steam. That's why people who typically go to the gym six or seven days in a row, they have too much cortisol. They have too much adrenaline. They have to go to the gym because that's the only way they know how to burn it off. Even when they're injured, they keep working out. So think about this. Another thing you need to know about emotional eating, you are addicted to dopamine, okay? You're not addicted to working out. You're not addicted to sugar. You're not addicted to salt. You're addicted to dopamine. When you go to the gym six, seven times a week, 
you're addicted to dopamine. You're addicted to the feeling you get of going to the gym because you know going to the gym burns off the stress. It gives you a dopamine kick, gives you some more adrenaline. Let's be honest, everyone loves adrenaline. And that makes you feel incredible. If work gave us the same incredible feeling, guess what? You'd be a workaholic. Maybe you are. Maybe you're one of those people that says the only joy that I can get in life is from work. And I love work stress because I get a lot of stuff done because of all that adrenaline and cortisol production I get. You remember that movie Wall Street? Michael Douglas talks about lunch. Who has time for lunch? Slows me down. Come on. He eats his lunch standing up. Why? Because he can get more things done. I fast during the day because I know I can get more things done. But the problem is my blood sugar will drop, but I can't let my dopamine drop too much. I need my dopamine to be on point. So I will raise my dopamine with things I know will raise it throughout the day. If I go work out at the gym first thing in the morning, that raises my dopamine for the rest of the day. If I work out at 8 p.m. at night, I have too much dopamine at night. I can't go to bed. Right? So imagine if I work out first thing in the morning, I get a dopamine kick. I'm less likely to have a sugar drop later. And my appetite and my emotional eating doesn't come into play. See what I did there? If you're emotionally eating and you're saying, hey, I'm addicted to sugar, I'm addicted to chocolate, right? I'm not saying you have to give up chocolate and sugar. I don't want to give that to your head because like I said, we have a deeper connection to our food. I'm Hispanic. There's no way you're going to tell me to stop eating Mexican food. There's no way. I'm never going to give that up. I don't care because honestly, I can make the case Mexican food is a lot healthier than whatever Tex-Mex is, uh, Tex is out there down the road. Because I know this stuff was homemade and I know it's like real lard that they cooked it with. But the feeling I get from eating homemade enchiladas or, or tortillas or you know anything like that is because the comfort I get in that first bite gives me dopamine that makes me feel good. And when I have enough dopamine, I don't need to go eat. I don't need to go do risky things. Because if I have dopamine, I function better. People that cannot regulate their dopamine eat poorly. Because it goes back to the very first thing I talked about. When you're emotionally eating, you're stressed. Let's just be honest, right? Let's, you have to just be aware that if you are stressed out, I want you, when it comes to emotional eating, just be aware that you're stressed. Okay? Because you will make a different decision. If you are aware that you're stressed, think about what time of the day it is. If it's at work, you're like, I mean, I'm really stressed right now. I'm craving sugar. I'm craving chocolate right now. Okay, what time is it? It's 2 p.m. right now on a work day. I know why you're craving chocolate. Your blood sugar is crashing. You're running out of steam. You've been working like, you know, eight hours already. You need a break. You really need to go outside and go walk around in the sunlight. You don't need a chocolate bar. You don't need a coffee. You don't need a frappuccino. You see what I'm saying here? If you needed to go do 20 jumping jacks and 20 push-ups instead of eating 20 pieces of chocolate, you have that option. You have that option. I think this is a much better option than me going and trying to say, don't eat the chocolate. Because you and I both know you like chocolate. You're not going to give it up. I'm not going to give up chocolate. I just eat a very different chocolate nowadays. Because if I eat chocolate, I get a little dopamine kick from it. I can't have too much dopamine in the middle of the day because then I'll have a dopamine crash later. But if I just eat a little bit of chocolate or I get a little bit of sugar, boom, just enough dopamine to get me through the day. There's some people who see that. Okay, there's some people who literally say I eat chocolate at 2 p.m. on a work day 
because I know the chocolate increases my dopamine and I can focus throughout the day. I can get all the rest of my day done. I had this lady tell me this straight up. She said, I, I want to lose weight. I have a problem with chocolate. I'm addicted to sugar. Really? Okay, well, when do you eat your chocolate? She goes, every day I eat it at 2 p.m. at my desk. I have four Dove Squares. For the people who eat chocolate, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those little Dove Squares, right? They're tiny. They're like an inch. I asked her, I said, so wait, do you eat the whole bag when you eat the Dove Squares? She goes, no, no, no. I eat four squares. I'm telling you. No more. No less. I eat four squares. I was blown away because most people have a problem with the whole bag. Like me, I probably eat the whole bag. I'm like, what? How can you just eat four squares? I mean, you just... You have that control? She goes, yep. I said, okay, well, what happens after you eat the four squares? She goes, well, I complete my day. I don't have to drink a coffee. I don't have to reach for a Red Bull. And I can get my things done. That's the dopamine that she got from the four squares. She knew subconsciously that the dopamine increase she was going to get from chocolate was going to get her focused enough to finish all her to-do list. And that was going to make her successful. That's what I'm saying. Chocolate's one way to get your dopamine Working out's another way, sunlight's another way, hugs are another way, deep breathing's another way, supplements are one way, right? Like floating's another way, like and I say a flotation room, sauna, deep, you know, sauna is, is really good way to get, you know, your adrenals going in a good way. But all these things will support healthy dopamine and healthy cortisol and healthy adrenaline. What's really fascinating about emotional eating Another thing is that you don't have an appetite. I've been talking about cortisol. I've been talking about our emotional connections to food. I even talked about dopamine and the pleasure you get from having your favorite foods, right? Like chocolate. Well, I told you before, imagine you don't have an appetite while you're craving the chocolate. Chemically speaking, people don't have an appetite whenever they're craving processed, sugary, or salty foods. There's a hormone called leptin. Leptin is a hormone that comes from our fat cells. In metabolism, nutrition, and even diabetes, leptin is a very newer concept. It's a new concept. Leptin was discovered probably about 30 years ago, maybe. And we found out that leptin is a hormone that comes from fat cells. Its main purpose is to go to our brain and suppress our appetite. And leptin is found in high amounts in people who are overweight and insulin resistance. So think diabetes. So if you're insulin resistant, you're diabetic, or you're pre-diabetic, you also have leptin resistance. You, so you have a high amount of leptin. And that's bad for your appetite. Like I said, it suppresses it. So imagine that now I look at the typical American. Like I said, one in three people in this country are overweight. Let's, these are the stats. I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just saying these are the stats. So if one in three people in this country are overweight, one in three people in this country are pre-diabetic, one in three people in this country have heart disease, one in three people in this country have a fatty liver, all right, then I think about all these people also have high amounts of leptin. Leptin resistance is not only found in diabetes. Leptin resistance is found in heart disease. Leptin resistance is found in cancer. Leptin resistance is found in dementia. Leptin resistance is found in kidney disease. Anytime your body's releasing a high amount of leptin, it's not a good thing. It, it's, it's, it's there for us to help us, right? If you're releasing leptin because you keep overeating, leptin goes to your brain and says, put the fork down. You don't need any more chocolate. You don't need any sodas. You don't need any more bread. So that's why I say it's fascinating. If someone's trying to lose weight and they emotionally eat and they come into the clinic and they say, look, 
I have an addiction to chocolate. I love my wine. I love my cheese. And let's say they're overweight, just a few pounds, right? That's just enough pounds to produce just enough leptin to see in their labs, because we can check for leptin in the labs. And I say, guess what? Your leptin's a little high. We did your labs. We looked at your hormones, right? Female comes in and she wants to look at her hormones. I can't lose weight. I wonder if it's my thyroid. I'm kind of going through issues with my menstrual cycle, right? This is a typical 30 to 40 year old female that comes in who wants to look at their hormones and they're also trying to lose weight, right? That's what they also say. And so can we look at something that tells me my hormones are off? And I said, perfect. We will. So I order the hormones and one of the hormones I order is leptin. I've been ordering leptin for like five years now. I order on everyone. I order it on myself. Your leptin should not be higher than 10 when it shows up in your labs. Okay. I think mine's probably like three or four. Now I've seen not too long ago, leptin at 55 on a person. The other day I saw it at 13. I've seen it at 22. Okay. Anything above 10 means that person does not have an appetite. Okay. And the person's leptin who had, you know, that's at 13 or 14, they might only need to lose like 15 or 20 pounds, like maybe that. And they don't look like it. You know, you're like, man, you look kind of fit. But remember, if everyone has fatty liver, leaky gut, they have poor sleep, they're all kind of pre-diabetic, their stomach's a little bit bigger than what it should. Go to the gym and see those guys that have like the big arms, like the vanity muscles, but they still have like a gut. All that's leptin resistance coming from inflamed fat cells because inflamed fat cells make leptin. So when you eat when you're not supposed to, when you emotionally eat when you're not supposed to, you take in too many calories, your body kicks out leptin, and tells your brain, don't do that again. Okay, this is exactly what clinically happens. So I show the labs to the person. I say, look, chemically speaking, you don't have an appetite. You have leptin resistance. Why do you keep eating chocolate? You say you're addicted to it. Why do you keep eating chocolate if I know that chemically you don't have an appetite? That's when the person says, I don't know. That's why I'm coming to you. I'm addicted to sugar. Leptin not only suppresses your appetite, leptin suppresses your dopamine. Then we go back to dopamine again. I want you to understand that when it comes to emotional eating, you have hormones at play that are connected that control your appetite. Okay, Your appetite is just a response to when you need to eat more based off of not stress in your body, but when you need to eat more. That's what the appetite is. Okay, Your body's a car. Your car needs a gasoline. All right, You can go to the gas tank and pick three different types, carbohydrates, proteins, fats right? That's, that's your three choices at the gas tank for your car. If I choose to fill up on carbohydrates, i.e. sugar, salt, right? Then that's a very fast burning gasoline. My, my car will not function off of fast burning gasoline like that. I need a high octane, longer lasting fuel, which is fat or protein. Those are the higher grades. Okay. Still with me? So imagine that if I have enough fat in my diet and a protein in my diet and little amounts of carbs, my car doesn't need to be filled up as much and I can drive my car longer. That's the human body, okay? The human body does better when we don't have to go to the gas station all the time to fill up, right? You, you won't be able to travel and get to where you need to be if you have to keep filling up at the gas tank all the time, right? You ever been on that road trip with someone? You, you know the road trip's 10 hours, but it turns into a 13-hour drive because you had to just keep stopping. Someone had to go to the bathroom. You had to keep filling up. and You're like, just hold it. Or... Let's get a better gas so we can drive longer without having to stop more. 
That's eating fat versus eating carbohydrates. If you have leptin resistance, you don't need to be consuming sugar, carbs, and salts. You need to be consuming more avocado fat and salmon fat, chicken fat, because that lowers your leptin. That makes you more leptin sensitive. The idea with emotional eating is you do want an appetite. You don't want cravings, but guess what? You're going to have them. When you have cravings, that's just your brain messing with you. I'm literally telling you right now, you do not have an appetite. If you overeat and eat five meals a day and snack all day, you have leptin resistance. I, I can look at your labs and see it. Almost guarantee you. That means you don't have an appetite. So when you say I'm emotionally eating, I believe you. But the only reason you're emotionally eating, knowing you don't have an appetite, is because you're addicted to dopamine. You're not addicted to sugar. Because if you go on the idea, go back to the car. Stay with me on this. I know this is confusing, but think about this. Emotional eating is not love, okay? I want you to remember this. Food is not love. Food is not love. Another thing to know about emotional eating is food is not love. Food is sustenance, okay? I am saying this out of love, though. The food that you eat is emotionally tied to the experiences we have with people that we love. The holiday seasons are about gathering with your family and friends. It's not only about the homemade casserole. It's the idea that your loved one makes it for you every year because they know how much you love it. And you're willing to drive seven, eight hours in the snow or travel two time zones to go eat it, to see the look on their face, even though you know you're not hungry at dinner, you're trying to lose weight, and guess what? You're gluten-free now, and you don't have the heart to tell your aunt to make it gluten-free because she's like, what's gluten-free? Right? Emotional eating. I'm pressured in to eating food that I, doesn't agree with me, and then I feel bad about it afterwards. That can be emotional eating, right? You, my family says, have a second plate, have a third plate. So I emotionally eat. I overeat. And what happens is I spike my leptin. I suppress my dopamine. So I feel horrible. And I have studies here. It says here, when it comes to depression, what happens is you actually have low blood sugar and have high dopamine. When you have low dopamine, you have high blood sugar. Okay, so let me throw this all together. Go back to the appetite. Emotional eating looks like this. Your dopamine's calling the shots. And what happens is your dopamine will be high or low in people, okay? You've heard of depression. Emotional eating is tied to depression. Depression is directly related to a problem with dopamine, okay? They will say it's serotonin, and you've heard of this, right? If you take an antidepressant, you're like, well, I was taking a, an SSRI, like Zoloft or Prozac. Well, guess what? There's also another one called Wellbutrin that is a select, uh, selective norepinephrine uptake inhibitor all right so it's not just one neurotransmitter that's involved in depression depression says there's like what did it say there's you know serotonin there's dopamine uh tyramines involved in it histamine I mean, there's leptin leptin's involved in, de in depression i mean the research shows here that they 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 study people who are depressed and overweight okay a person who's depressed and overweight has a problem with leptin Okay, it's not like the person who's obese has a problem with leptin because they're obese. No, the person has a problem with leptin could be obese or could also be depressed. They could be both. Okay, they have a hormone imbalance. They have a neurotransmitter imbalance when it comes to emotional eating. All right, so when they say depression is in a chemical imbalance, it's true. Okay, chemically, our bodies 
really function well when our dopamine is regulated and when our serotonin is regulated and when our insulin is regulated and when our leptin is regulated okay in order to regulate your insulin your dopamine your leptin you were designed with the ability to receive sunlight go to sleep and eat and when you're able to do all of that your body will respond however you want it to sometimes though if you don't give the body the support you really need your body acts out okay when people emotionally eat they like I said you usually don't choose broccoli to go off the deep end like if it's Friday night and you're stressed out I doubt that you're saying man I could really go over some really good broccoli right now like I just man with some garlic on it oh salt like Himalayan salt on that broccoli for all the people that say hey that's really good that sounds mouth-watering that's because you're hungry it's not because you're craving the broccoli let's be honest because if you're stressed out and you're feeling sick or you don't feel good okay you don't have an appetite if you're sick at home with the cold or the flu you're really like having to force yourself to eat and if you think about it your body's like recovering recuperating it doesn't need food in order to do that what your body needs is sleep it needs your liver to be working whenever you mess with your sleep and you mess with your liver it messes with your emotions because you don't feel good if I would ask anyone are you tired and they say yes I'd say your liver's off and I know your sleep's probably off and your hormones are probably off because you shouldn't be tired and then if I ask the same person I say are you hungry they say yeah I'm hungry are you hungry or are you craving they're like no I'm hungry if they say that they're fine but if they're like no I'm craving something I think they're a diabetic I had a person in my office yesterday that had a glucose reader right their blood sugar fluctuates they cannot miss a meal because their blood sugar drops so much but guess what I've done a six-day water fast twice I went six days without eating and I was able to think I was able to operate a business I was able to operate and be a husband and be a dad I looked at my labs after my six-day water fast and I said hey guess what I didn't have any blood sugar but my cholesterol went through the roof my leptin went down my insulin went down my body responded my testosterone went down after the six-day water fast you're like what are you what are you talking about here I'm like the point is I didn't eat food for six days and my body was fine other people do this all the time the only way they do it and we're able to manage it is because our body was healthy enough to do this but think about this uh, we were talking about fasting the other day I had a person reach out on YouTube they're a Muslim they fast every month or once a year uh, for a month he's like yeah I've been doing it since I was a kid I love fasting I feel great afterwards and then when you fast you look at food in a whole different light I can tell you right now my addiction to sugar and chocolate changed when I did a six-day water fast when I realized I didn't need food in order to survive but I needed water and I needed sleep it changed my whole approach towards food think about how many meals you have throughout the day I can tell you right now every single day I fast to apply about 6 p.m. okay I am not eating food to about 6 p.m. every day okay I might be hungry I wait for dinner when I go home and you're like oh my gosh how could I do that it's because I've trained my body there's something called ketosis right the keto diet intermittent fasting if you can do this your emotions change when you remove that emotional connection to food and you realize your body thrives in that situation 
You have to prepare yourself to get there. The emotional eating of everything that we've been talking about right now is not a judgment. This is something that you can utilize and implement. This is something that you can do on a daily basis and work towards it. Like I said, if you're addicted to chocolate, just realize you're not. It's dopamine that you're really addicted to, and you can find other ways to get it. Working out, talking to a friend, going outside, getting sunlight. Just being aware that you're stressed is enough to make you make a behavior change. Just being aware that you're stressed because you're always stressed. Just be aware that when it gets too much, you got to do something about it before it gets too much to be something for you to handle and you start eating something you shouldn't. And this is especially important for people who are trying to lose weight or if you're diabetic or if you just want to be healthy. This is my journey. I'm talking to you because I'm talking to me. All right. I'm going through the same thing. This was a way to remind myself the same thing. I practice what I preach. Food is not love. This is love. Might be tough love, but it's still love. But I know you can do this. I know you can utilize this. You can implement it. That's where the real power and the change comes. I care so much about y'all. Go back and make the changes. Reach out to me afterwards and tell me how much it made a difference. I know your health journey is going to continue. Keep working on your health. Class is concluded. Until next time.